The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So a brief few reflections. I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about mind states that arise in meditation practice. Moods, attitudes are all parts of mind states. And in particular, kind of why or part of why I want to talk about this is just like we were talking about at the beginning of the day, the practice instructions, it's possible to notice when we're focused and notice when the awareness, the attention is more relaxed, settled back, open, soft focus. Those are examples of qualities of mind, mind states. And There are many, many, many of these different ways of being, of seeing, experiencing that happen throughout a single meditation session or throughout a day, an hour, a half hour. And this can be helpful to begin to notice the inconstancy, the differences, the flow of how we relate to reality, how our minds are in any given moment. It's helpful to notice when mind states change, maybe from overwhelm to delight, to equanimity, to clarity, non-clinging, distraction, driftiness, awe, happiness, calm, frustration, even keeledness, all of these things can emerge one after the other, cycling through like weather, like changing patterns of shadow. All of it's natural, and all of it can be known and noticed. So I'll just offer a few brief words about working with two mind states in particular that have been coming up in a lot of practice discussions recently. One is drifting or driftiness, and the other is overwhelm, any variety of overwhelm. It can be grief or stress. So both of these kind of can can move through on a regular basis in daily life, but especially in meditation practice itself. So, the first thing to note is that rather than being concerned with any content in driftiness or overwhelm, or for that matter, any other state of mind, it can be really helpful just to step back and notice that the mind and heart experience is changing in constant, impermanent, this in itself can offer some relief. Wherever my mind is at in this moment is probably going to change, sometimes quite quickly. A momentary flicker of change of attention. Thai forest tradition teacher Ajahn Suchito says that the mind and heart can change faster than the flick of a horse's tail. 
that fast. For me, I found it helpful to notice the mind and heart can change faster than a finger snap. And to allow for that, notice that. The next step then is to access, if possible, some kind of trust that that changeability is happening, will happen, and it can be to our benefit if we don't hold on to it. That there's a trust that this practice can regulate the heart and mind. That this practice is onward leading towards freedom. And that any particular mindset or mind state This too shall pass. It will move on through, move away. Leaving in its wake awareness itself. The next moment. So in practicing with overwhelm in particular, it's helpful to bring in a very simple series of observations that the Buddha taught called the Four Noble Truths the four ennobling truths. In a moment of overwhelm or suffering or difficulty, to notice this, this is hard, this is dukkha, this is suffering. Just in that moment, noticing. Acknowledging. Acknowledging the whole ball of overwhelm, the whole mess of it, just as, okay, mess. Dukkha. And then, noticing the knowing itself. Noticing the knowing of it. This can be very helpful in generating a little bit of space, be it from anxiety or from planning mind, or from overwhelm, from any kind of difficulty. Notice the knowing. And then there's a kind of a a step back. Instead of engaging with the overwhelm, allow the heart, the mind, to disengage from the storm, any surge, and be like the sky, holding the mental activity, the emotional activity. Take a mental step back. You can even imagine doing it with your body. And then in any moment of relief, no matter how tiny, no matter how small, noticing this, this is the ceasing of dukkha, this is the ceasing of suffering in this moment, or the lessening of it. That too helps educate our hearts and educate our minds in ways of working with these states. Then again, trusting trusting that the practice itself, in the moment and over time, wisely noticing this is the path to the end of suffering. This is the path to increased freedom, increased joy, increased capacity, freedom. You don't have to remember all of that, but just remember what feels useful 
today? What feels useful now? Noticing in the moment can be a very powerful practice for disengaging, creating that space. Another practice our minds will often naturally do as a regulating process is distraction or drifting. So it's actually pretty common in meditators that if the mind, if our attention is bound up and caught up in something, and then that something releases, there can be a space for a moment, and that's quite beautiful. Sometimes the mind will just go on to the next thing, whatever it is, right? Other times, that spaciousness can drift off. The attention drifts with it. Maybe one or two of you have had this happen once or twice, right? It's kind of a dreamy state, daydreamy. Recognizing the moment awareness returns, whenever it decides to, is a beautiful way of practicing with this state. Not like a harsh, like, I should have been paying attention. But, oh, welcome back. Welcome. Greeting the moment of mindfulness, the moment of return with interest, curiosity, even a bit of sense of welcoming or celebration. This means allowing awareness, allowing mindfulness to return whenever it does, and then acknowledging both the drifting and the return as graciously as possible. And then just picking up wherever your attention is, wherever the mind's attention is in that moment. This process is so simple that it counteracts the tendency many of us have to judge or to blame or to attempt to be harsh in some way and instead being gentle, kind. And this starts to reorient the heart and mind towards awareness, towards becoming aware. Because if what is re-emerged into is welcoming and not harshness, that awareness, that mindfulness visits more often. Kind of like a puppy dog. If you call the puppy dog and it doesn't come, and you call it and it doesn't come, and you call it and it finally comes, if you whack it on the nose, is it going to come again next time? Maybe not. Positive reinforcement gentleness, kindness. In addition to encouraging the awareness to emerge more often, it can kind of be helpful to get interested in the quality of what it felt like to be drifting. Sometimes there's a little bit left over from that quality. There's often an absence of grasping, of tension, of hanging on in the drifting itself. And that's helpful to notice too, the relaxation, noticing the relaxation. Oh, back. What's the mind and heart feel like right now? Oh, it's more relaxed. Great. Often, the drifting is pleasant. It's helpful to notice that, just noticing the pleasantness. All of this is mindfulness, all of this is awareness. And then finally, if it's available, 
you can gently attune your awareness to a bit more clarity, maybe by shifting the breath, opening the eyes slightly to let some light in, a hair's breadth, a tiny touch, more effort. Like the difference between a butterfly wing brushing against the skin and a rose petal. Not a big difference, but just a bit more. The Buddha talks about this as um, like a musician tweaking the strings on their stringed instrument, their lute, or these days maybe a guitar. You don't want it too tight, you don't want it too loose. Just enough to play music. Just enough attention, just enough effort. So... Awareness, this awareness of each present moment, however sublime, however ordinary, it can be really powerful. It shifts experience over time. And there's a way of being with it, being aware of knowing, and also being willing to sink completely into what is known. That can be healing, transformative, and quite profound. So noticing, when is there tension in the mind? When is there relaxation? And when it comes to that tension, letting go, letting go, letting go. We're being with, being with, being with. Non-contention is key, not fighting non-contention. So what matters most in this practice isn't the details of how we're dealing with it. It's rather how we're relating to it, the willingness to engage, to re-engage with kindness, with interest, and with allowing, allowing what is without a fight. Thank you for your kind attention.